Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today, the, um, my message, the one that the Lord has put on my heart to share with you, has to do with the nature of kingdom leaders. The nature of kingdom leaders. And my text is taken from Second Epistle to Timothy, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. We are going to read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul is writing this epistle to one of his spiritual sons named Timothy. And this is what he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul writes to Timothy, whom he calls his son in the faith. You know very well that uh, Paul did not get married, but he had a number of spiritual sons whom he often referred to. And he writes to him and he says, I want you to pass on the things that you have heard from me, the things that you have closely witnessed from my life to faithful men who are also able to teach others. Now, in this one verse of Scripture, I believe the Lord is giving us the biblical pattern for kingdom advancement and multiplication. And I believe this is how we should go about extending and establishing the influence of God's kingdom in our spheres of influence. Meaning that faithful men and women passing on to other faithful men and women the things we have heard and the things we have witnessed from those who have walked with us, mentored us, and discipled us in the faith. Now, here is a question that I believe we need to consider. Whom do we consider as faithful? How do you define faithfulness? Now, I know the dictionary defines faithful, and you can look it up for yourself, as one who is strict or thorough in the performance of duty. Another definition is faithful is considered a faithful worker, one who is true to his word, to his promises, 
and to his vows. Another definition says, one who is loyal, constant, faithful, reliable, trusted, or believed. Now let's look at, though, Jesus' definition of faithfulness. What does Jesus and whom does the Lord Jesus call faithful? And in Matthew 25, we're going to read a few verses here. The Lord Jesus defines faithfulness by our ability to multiply what was committed and entrusted to us. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus considers faithfulness according to our ability to multiply what was committed and entrusted to us. And we read from Matthew 25, verse 20 through to 23, the following. So he who had received five talents came and brought the five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You see here, Jesus considers faithful those who work with what was committed to them and were able to multiply it. Now, I believe if we're going to invest our time, our energy, and our values into someone else, we need to make sure that we are investing into those who are considered faithful. Would you agree with me? Amen. You need to invest what God has committed to you into fertile ground into faithful men and women who are able to receive what you've given them and communicate it and pass it on to others and so on and so forth. That's what Paul instructed Timothy to do. He said, commit the things you received from me to faithful men, that includes women, who are also able to teach others. Now the question arises, how do we find these faithful men and women? You know, they, they, they rare. It's a rare breed of people, especially nowadays. Well, I believe that if we pray and believe God and ask the Lord, He will bring them to us. He will somehow connect us with them. And I believe they are everywhere, in every sphere of life. Now, let's examine now what Paul is instructing Timothy to do. 
Notice what he says to him in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Look, look at those verses with me, please. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. You see, Paul is very precise about what Timothy is to entrust and commit to other faithful men. He says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. We clearly see here in Paul a life that was studied and followed up closely by Timothy. He watched and he witnessed how Paul handled suffering and persecution. He watched and he witnessed how he lived his faith out in everyday life. He saw his passion for God. He saw his unyielding perseverance concerning his purpose and the long-suffering and the love that Paul displayed for those he ministered to. And now, Timothy is asked to communicate and commit those things that he saw and in, that, that was imparted to him by Paul to faithful men and women who will also be able to teach others. Now, we see here that Timothy had a living, practical, and tangible example before him in Paul, and now, as he grew up spiritually and he became a mature son, he's asked to be that living and tangible example to others. You see, Timothy captured the heart, the values, and the spiritual DNA of his spiritual leader perfectly. He became a true representation of Paul's values, principles, as he represented Paul in the churches that Paul established. And whenever there was a problem in any of the churches Paul started, he would send Timothy to them in order to help them and encourage them. Paul, speaking about Timothy, he said the following in Philippians chapter 2, verses 20 through to 23, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Philippians chapter 2, verse 20 through to 23. This is what he says about Timothy. What a wonderful, um, I mean, resume uh, that, that he, he sends to the Philippians. He says, Timothy is like no other. He carries the same passion for your welfare that I carry in my heart. For it seems as though everyone else is busy seeking what is best for themselves instead of the things that are 
most important to our Lord Jesus Christ. You already know about his excellent reputation since he has served alongside me as a loyal son in the work of ministry. After I see what transpires with me, he is the one I will send to you to bless you. What a wonderful testimony uh, Timothy had. And it comes from someone who is his oversight. Notice what Paul calls Timothy, uh, rather, notice that Paul calls Timothy his loyal son. Now, they had a close relationship that was likened to a father and his son. Let me say this, and I want you to write that down and remember it. Leaders cannot lead effectively unless they learn to love those they lead and disciple. I'm going to say that again because that is the heart of leadership. Remember, the qualification that leaders require is love for the Lord and love for the people. Remember what Jesus asked Peter. Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, I love you. Then he said, feed my flock. Take care of my sheep. Leaders cannot lead effectively unless they learn to love and to care for those they lead and disciple. And this is what makes kingdom leaders. Timothy was the man he was because of the father he had in the faith. Would you agree with that statement? Amen. Paul didn't just communicate doctrine to Timothy. He communicated his very own life to him because he loved him dearly. And this is what good leaders and spiritual fathers and mothers should be doing. They are people who communicate kingdom life to those they influence. They don't just impart head knowledge. They impart their own life because they care. And Paul testifies to that. Take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8 and see what Paul says to those he led. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. Notice what he says. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the good news of the kingdom, but also our very own lives. Why? Because you had become dear to us. No leader can do better than that. Amen? What does it really mean to impart our life to those we influence and lead, whether we lead or influence one person or 1,000 people? The numbers don't really matter. But all of us are examples to someone. 
if, if we don't have any outside influence we have within our own family. What does it really mean to impart our life to those we influence? What I think it means is that we lay down our lives for the sake of those we lead in order to become living and tangible examples representing and manifesting the life of Christ to them. And, and Paul spells it out here in these verses of Scripture that we're going to look at in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, 11, and 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, 11, and 12. Paul said it this way, Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live, are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. What powerful statements he makes. It takes a spiritual person to understand this. He says, notice what Paul says in verse 12, death works in us, but life in you. The measure of death leaders experience will be the measure of life they impart to those they lead. Kingdom leaders die daily to themselves so that through their death may bring life to others. And this is what Jesus said in John 12, 24. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much gain. When we die to self, we reproduce after our kind. The reason we're not reproducing after our kind is because we have not yielded to the death of Christ. Amen. So if we want to be fruitful and productive and faithful in the kingdom of God, there is only one way, through death to our own self, our own opinions, our own will, our own preferences, our own desires, in order to embrace another. Now, that is why leaders particularly must become that single grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies before we could reproduce after our kind. You see, no one can reproduce life in others unless he dies to self. Now, from my own experience, as one who has been a leader for many years, first in my own family, and later on in the church, I could testify to the fact that until I came face to face with the cross of Christ and yielded to its power, I could not stand in the place of authority, even in my own house. 
And that is a true statement. God made sure that I was introduced to the cross of, of Christ early on in my conversion. You know, let me, let me share some personal things here. Both my wife and I are very strong-willed and hot-blooded people. I don't know, maybe it's in our culture, it's where we come from. And this, of course, led to frequent fights and arguments, both at home and at work. Ever since we got married, 45 years, we've always been together, at work and at home, at work and at home, at work and at home. Just picture, you. I don't know how many of you work with your wives, but... <laughs> There isn't a day that we're not together. So you can imagine. Let your imagination run a little bit. And I remember when Elise first came to the church years ago and sat at our table either for lunch or dinner and observed what was going on. She got a fright. She said, <laughs> I thank God the Lord had given her grace to stay around and see our hearts and not the outward appearance. Well, I recall one day, years back, we were running our business in Masvingo, Zimbabwe, FM supermarket. And uh, one day we had an argument at our place of work, which flared up to such an extent. And you know, when, when we argued, even after I got born again and filled with the Spirit, the first thing I do was get into my car and run away. So when that argument flared up, I got into my car and drove away in anger. I was running away from her. I was running away from my responsibilities. And I was running away from where I was supposed to be. But here is God's mercy and kindness and graciousness to us. As I drove away in anger, I remember it was a sunny, beautiful spring day in Masvingo. And as I drove on an open road from Masvingo to Mutari, I, I, I looked up at the blue sky and suddenly a white cross appeared in the sky and beneath the cross the writing in Greek, and duto nika, meaning, the words meaning, that in the cross of Christ you shall conquer. Well, needless to say, after I drove for I don't know how long, my anger ceased, I drove all the way back, pondering on the vision I had seen in the sky. Now that was the beginning of the end to my selfishness, stubbornness, and pride. That Greek stronghold. God began to teach me what it means to die to my fleshly desires and my opinions by yielding to the cross of Christ. I learned how to lead in my family by dying daily to self. And that's where you must learn it. And that's where we need to first practice it. And that is where every believer should learn to lead 
in his own home and family. Regardless, you're a husband, you need to lead with love, with gentleness, with kindness. If you're a wife, you need to lead by example, with submission, with the quiet uh, and, and, and uh, beautiful spirit of the inner man. That's what Peter says. Scripture, speaking about church leadership, says that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, that he, the heart of a leader or the heart of, a, of an elder at home should be set on guiding his household with wisdom and dignity, bringing up his children to worship with devotion and purity. For if he is unable to properly lead his own household well, how could he properly lead God's household? This is, he's talking about the qualifications of elders in the church. He says if one cannot lead in a godly way at home, what makes us think he can be a good leader uh, uh, in the house of God? I have always endeavored to consider those I lead before making any decisions, whether it was a personal decision or a ministry decision. At home, for example, I would always consider my wife's opinion before making a family decision whether the decision had to do with finances, with investment, with direction, with children, or any other matter. When it came to raising our children, both of us, we were in agreement about everything. We never argued or were divided before our children. We came into agreement, and when you, husband and wife, you have young children, never disagree in front of your children. If you do, you lose your authority. Now, where we found agreement in the home, we stood and proceeded forward. Where we disagreed, we stopped and reevaluated the situation on important matters. Now, in non-essential matters at home, listen, husbands, those of you who are newly married, I would always yield and give way to my wife's preference. She wants black furniture, she can have black furniture. And she wants green walls, she can have green walls. I, I don't really care much. As long as she's happy, I'm happy. The house is her, is her dominion. When it comes to those which to me are non-essential things. Now, some husbands lorded over the wives and they steamroll over them, crushing the wheel to the point where they completely, the wives, lose confidence in themselves. That is not leadership, but dictatorship. Hello? Amen? When it came to the church, we led, I have always considered the flock. I remember at one time when we were putting up the building, the Lord specifically instructed me, do not borrow any money, go to the bank and put the church into debt. And because he said they already in debt, you don't, they don't need to go into debt further so you can put up a building. So I said, yes, Lord, we're going to believe you for it. And we did. And the Lord did a wonderful thing for us.
you know, I've always considered in my decision, how would my decision affect the church? What kind of example am I giving them? It doesn't matter what we want or what we think as leaders. What matters is how will our decisions or our actions affect them. And Peter tells us how elders and shepherds should behave towards the flock. Now I'm reading for elders, for pastors. He says, the elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Amen. So laying down your life for those you lead means that you lay down your opinions, your preferences, your desires, your wants in order to minister and assist the people you lead. You become patient with it. That's a very important uh, ingredient for leaders to have. You become long-suffering with their mistakes, and you lead with grace and kindness. Well, here is a, a question. How will I know whether I have succeeded as one who leads and influences others? What are the evidence that testify to any leader's success, whether at home, in the church, or in the marketplace? Here is one sure evidence of a successful leader. The people you lead, do they follow you because they love you or because they are afraid of you? Do they follow you because they respect you or because they are terrified of you? If they follow you and listen to you because they love you, that means you are a successful leader who leads by example and not by fear or manipulation. Another proof that we are successful as leaders is that if we have successfully communicated the values and principles by which we live. For instance, are these values evident in their lives? Do they value what you value? If we are people who walk by faith, we should see the same faith in those we lead. If we are people who live by the word of God and prayer, we should see those same values in those we influence. We can only reproduce after our kind. We reproduce in others who we are and not necessarily what we say or what we teach especially parents with young children. You are the mirror of your children. What they see in you, they're going to imitate and follow. Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Please notice that Paul says, Follow my example as you have us for a pattern. He didn't say follow my teaching or my doctrine, but my example, as you have us for a paradigm, for a, for a pattern. 
And Paul goes on to say, many walk. And he's talking about leaders here in ministry. Many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is the belly, and whose glory is in the shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Now here, Paul is speaking about leaders who have not embraced the cross of Christ, who refuse to die to themselves. He's speaking about false teachers and prophets who profess godliness, but deny its power to change the sinful lifestyle. Selfish, proud, arrogant, building a name for themselves rather than building a kingdom of God. Kingdom leaders are to be examples and patterns for those they lead, whether you are a leader at home, in the church, in business, or in the marketplace. Now, these are the things uh, the Lord put on my heart to share with you for our time together. I trust that you've been ministered to and blessed. Most of you know these truths that I have uh, ministered to you today. But it's good to refresh our memory and to meditate on these things. And so we thank God. Let's, let's just pray together before we close our session. Father, we thank you for these wonderful principles that are so clearly spelled out in your word. And this is our prayer. Whether we lead and influence one person or 10 or 50 or 100, that we would be faithful, committed leaders to you. That by example, we would lead those whom you have committed to our trust, dear Heavenly Father. We ask for grace, and we pray for our households. We pray for our children and our grandchildren. We pray for the future generations that will come from our own spiritual loins. And we give you thanks and praise for the wonderful privilege that you've given us to be able to receive from you, from those who mentor, from those who, who disciple us, to take those precious values and principles and the love and the care they have given us and communicate them onto other faithful men and women who are also able to teach others. We thank you for our session today and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.